There you go. Unmuted. I'll tell you the backstory real quick. <laughs> I went to use the restroom and I thought I better put that on mute because it's my greatest fear. And so now you know. All right. Well, welcome. I hope you have having a new good year. Good year. Good new year. How do you say it? We got flustered <laughs> already. Let's start over. All right. Let's rewind. I didn't tell you the story. I just turned on the mic and then I said, "Good morning. Are you having a good new year?" All right, that's how we'll start this out. I, I was ready to get back into it. I mean, I, listen, Marion, I can only take so many Hallmark movies on that break. So it's, it's time to move on with life, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I hope you're back at it. Hey, um, we're starting a new series, and this is going to be a, a series over the next few weeks, and I'm kind of talking to the believers, to the Christians at our church. You know, this is kind of like the... Um, you know, you're preaching to the choir type of, of saying. You know that saying when people say you're preaching to the choir? Usually what they mean is, you don't have to tell me, I already know. But listen, sometimes the choir doesn't sound great. And they need to hear from the choir director. And so for the next four weeks, I, all I want to do is I want to open up God's Word and I want to remind us of some basic core things that as believers in Christ, this is what we're to be about. This is what it means to be a, a Christian and what it means to be a church. So we're calling it Fresh Start. Let's just look at it with fresh eyes. And uh, you're going to see uh, out there, there's actually a 2023 preaching calendar, teaching calendar. The entire year of what we're going to be teaching through is out there. And so you can grab that and take a look at that and you'll see Fresh Start's the first four weeks of this series. Now, I'm not telling you don't invite friends the first four weeks, but I'm just letting you know, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on us, the family of believers here at, at Wendover Hills. So sound good? Good. There was like three yeses. I think I got four in the first service. So we're digressing. If you got your sermon notes, take a look at them. Here's what I want to do this morning is I want to define for you what it means to be a Christian. I, I just want to walk through a definition. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's not I think that or I wonder that, that. I mean, I'm just going to give you a flat definition, and it's going to be one we return through many times throughout the year for a couple purposes so that I know and I could reiterate this definition to someone. But when your friend comes, your friend that you're going to bring, is going to come and they're going to sit here, I want them to know that we define a Christian, and it is perfectly connected 100% with Jesus himself, nothing else. So here's what it looks like. Take a look at your, your sermon notes this morning. The definition, a Christian is someone who has faith and trust in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Our behavior mirrors, reflects, and resembles Christ. Amen? That's our definition of Christianity. A Christian is somebody who puts their faith and trust in the redeeming work of Jesus. Their faith and trust. You understand what faith and trust means? In the Christian world, it's just a word we kind of use. We just throw it around. It means anything. But in the real world, in reality, when I say I'm putting my faith in you, I'm throwing a lot of trust your direction. You can simply say I'm going to put my faith and trust in that chair. I mean, when I sit, I expect... I am not going to the ground in that chair. If I don't have faith and trust in that chair, I'm not sitting in the chair, right? That's what we're talking about. That I'm going to put my full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, preach to the choir here, right? This is what we need to hear. Because listen, if we were honest as Christians, 
We walk through our year and we put our faith and trust in so many things that are not Jesus Christ. We put our faith and hope in our paycheck, our faith and hope in our body image, our faith and hope in our, you know, our kind of our social escalation or our up and down, whatever. We put our faith and hope in all kinds of things that are not Jesus Christ. And we get it out of whack, out of balance. A Christian is somebody who puts their faith and hope in the redeeming work of Christ. Do you understand why redeeming work of Christ? Because I am stating and I'm assuming that I need to be redeemed. That I wasn't already there. That I didn't have it all made. I didn't do everything I needed to do. I wasn't perfect with God. I need to be redeemed. That I recognize and declare that my selfishness, my sin, my way gets well above God's way a lot of time, and I need to be redeemed from that, delivered from that. And I'm going to put only my faith and hope in Jesus Christ to do that for me. Why can he do that? Well, it's the next part. Because of his work on the cross and his resurrection. Because he was willing to go, just like the sacrificial system had always been, and he was willing to be that once and for all sacrifice for me, and then he raised from the dead. No sacrifice in the Old Testament raised from the dead, but Jesus raised from the dead to say, look, I've conquered all of this for you. That's where I'm putting my faith and my trust in the redeeming. I need to be redeemed work of Jesus Christ because of what he did. Listen, if I stop there, you could call it just a belief system if you want. People do it all the time. Preaching to the choir here, right? Choir needs to hear this. All the time, we get so grounded in a belief system. But this last part is not just a belief system. My behavior mirrors, reflects, and resembles Christ. My behavior, what I say, what I do, what I'm about, how I treat people, it is going to mirror, reflect, and resemble Christ. I'm going to get off this silly bumper sticker philosophy of I'm not perfect, but I'm redeemed, or I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven, as if I'm allowing myself an avenue to continue to not mirror, reflect, and resemble Christ. Do I blow it? Sure. Nobody's saying we're not going to do that. But because I put my faith and trust in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross and his resurrection, I'm going to then say, why would I not? Now want to reflect and mirror Jesus Christ. Why would I not want to resemble and be just like him from here on out? That's the definition of what it means to be a Christian. Now, you might sit here. You may have just heard all that and said, I already know that, Tom. You know, duh. Preach it to the choir. Now, you may. You walk up to Target today, and if you were so bold to ask people what's it mean to be a Christian... You might get a little bit of what we said today. You might get stuff that's almost the exact opposite of what we said today. It will be all over the map for you. Our world doesn't know what it means to be a Christian. And until the people who declare themselves Christians live out Christianity as we've defined it this morning, we don't get the fullness of it, and they'll never know it. So, fresh start, this is where we want to begin. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does that basically mean? So here's what I want to do in our remaining time. I want to share with you a couple of things that we get right about this thing called Christianity and a couple of things we get wrong about it. Then I want to kind of just boil it down to a simple statement 
that we'll use several times over the course of the year. It's nothing new. Yeah, I'm not going to say it and you're going to go, oh, wow, man, I got to tweet that, Tom, Pastor Tom. You all have heard it. It's a long time statement, but it's a good reminder for us this morning. So let's just jump into it. What we get right and what we get wrong. Here's the first thing we get right. Jesus is the way to salvation. Did you know that? I mean, that, that's your time to say amen in the church world when you say that, you know? So we'll do it again. What we get right, Jesus is the way to salvation. All right, you're, you're on board. Yeah, we get that right. We get that right. And we should. We should boldly declare that Jesus is not only the way, we should be more emphatic and say he is the only way to salvation. To say he is the way is translated in our culture often to say he is a way. We are not saying he is a way. We are saying he is the only way to salvation. We get that right. And we should keep declaring that to anyone. You know what? We should keep declaring it to ourselves. Because it's ourselves that sometimes kind of sneak around a little bit. We don't even realize we're doing it. And before we know it, we're like, I think salvation is in this. Salvation brings this. Right? I'm going to hold on to that belief system. But I think this. That's the thing we get right. And we want to live it out. Take a look at a couple of verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation can be found in what? No other name. No, or, or no one else. Excuse me, I jumped ahead of the verse. My bad. Salvation can be found in no one else. I mean, do you see what, what Luke is writing in Acts? He is emphatically saying everything the Roman Empire has to offer, everything any other god has to offer, is junk. Salvation is only found in Christ, no one else. He's pretty blunt. Throughout the whole world, no other name has been given among humans through which we must be saved. So Luke is very direct about it. Now, this is a struggle for us in our culture because we're moving away from absolutes. You know this, right? We're moving away from things where we say something is absolute. And so we're struggling in this. And we're allowing it sometimes to find its way into Christianity as well, even for Christians that are struggling a little bit. But at some point, you have to wrestle with all of these passages that bluntly say, Jesus is the only way in no other name. That is not God. That is not God trying to be exclusive. That is God showing the depth of his love to you. Why would he send you out to try to find salvation in some other way that he knows is empty and can't offer it. No, he's declaring, this is the way in my son. Jesus says the word's pretty direct and blunt. Luke says it right here. Paul picks this theme up. Take a look at what he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. If you confess in your heart. There is a difference between me just saying and me confessing. You know this, right? Like confessing, when I say I confess, I'm saying this. I'm saying, it was me. I took those last cookies. So that's why you have an empty bag there. I took them. Why don't you just throw the bag away? It's a whole different discussion. All right? I, I took it. That's me. I confess. I own it, right? That's, that's me saying, that's me confessing. So when I confess, I am owning this, that Jesus is Lord. I'm owning that. I'm believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. He's not just dead there in a grave. 
I'm owning that and confessing that and claiming that for myself. And in that, guess what? I'm saved. Not just because I'm saying something, but I am owning it and believing it and living that. So we get that right. And we should get that right. We should keep declaring that. Now, you don't need to go around and use this as a weapon. Like, you don't need to go bash people over the head with, you know, like, Jesus is the only way. You know, you're making a mess of your life. No, you could find another avenue. But believing this and living this is significant. And we get that right. That's great. What do we get wrong on this? Salvation simply refers to eternal life. We get that wrong. In fact, not only do we get that wrong, but I think if we contextually work through and read the New Testament, we would see how little the writers of the New Testament actually talk about heaven eternal and how much they're talking about life in Christ here. We just have heard it a certain way for our life, and so when we read it, we just instinctively, we kind of flip it to think, oh, he's talking about heaven there every time he talks about life, every time he talks about eternal life, talking about heaven. But I think if we understood it contextually, we would understand the bigger thing that the writers are writing about is what life in Christ brings you right here, right now. Is that not an amen for you? I mean, would you rather have a belief system? Just suck it up, endure it, life's going to stink, it'll be horrible, I don't know how you'll get through it, but if you manage to, and you've said a prayer at some point, then you get to go and you get to be with heaven for eternity. And what's the blip of our life compared to eternity? You've heard that argument said, right? Or would you rather understand that Jesus says, I give life from the moment you believe in me. And you get to live out life in me the rest of your days. And guess what? Death does not end it. Even past death, you'll get to live out this life with God eternal. That is a better understanding. And that's the New Testament understanding of this. Let's take a look at a couple of verses. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life. Ooh, I want to know, John. Tell us, what is eternal life? To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Not this will lead to eternal life, but this is eternal life. When I know Christ, that's eternal life. Like when I read that and I and know Christ, I, I read it as a, a relationship, a connection with Jesus. That's eternal life. To have that, to have that connection. Now, I, I, I joke a bit uh, about Ray, my friend Ray over here, because we golf a lot together. And I say I joke more about your golf game, I guess, right? Will you forgive me, though? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to do it a few more times, but as long as you keep forgiving, we're going to, that may not be right theology. So, but I mean, think about it this way. Think about if, like, with, with Ray, right? Like, I enjoy being, if we laugh, we joke about things, we talk about things, we don't line up on everything. You might be surprised, as good of friends we are. Um, that's part of the joy, talking about things and, and just working through life, right? But imagine this, if we did it this way. I didn't call him to say, hey, do you want to play golf? We didn't get together for wings. We didn't talk about things. We didn't do anything, right? And, just, and then sometime at the, the end of our days down the road, we'd say, man, that was just, it's just, just such good life with you, Ray. You would look and go like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? No. And that's how we live out this faith thing sometimes. 
when we talk about Jesus, you know, this life in Jesus, life in Jesus, but in our head, we're only thinking theologically about life eternal, whereas Jesus is screaming in the Gospels. Paul is picking it up and saying it. There is life in Christ right now. This relationship. You get to call up Jesus and say, hey, let's go play golf Friday. That may not be your thing, but, you know, use it as a metaphor. You get to call Jesus and you get to connect with him. Like, when I get on you each, each week on you, that. Is that right? Maybe it comes off that way. I don't know. When I tell you, get in God's word every day in the morning. It's not so you can check off some list and say, well, I did that. Tom will be happy with me this week, I guess. No, it's so that you will have life in Christ and a connection with Jesus. That's how your day starts off. So that's eternal life, to know God, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. You know what Jesus wants to do sometimes when it comes to the term salvation? He wants to save us from ourselves. Do you need saving from yourself? I certainly need saving from myself. It's me that chooses these things. It's not like the devil comes down and just makes me do something, right? It's me making choices, looking at things, thinking certain ways. Give the devil way too much credit sometimes, right? And he saves me from that and causes me to look at something totally different. Tree and Kelly gave testimony to it this morning. Reading a verse and saying, oh, I gotta behave differently. I need to go seek forgiveness and move forward in that. That's what Jesus does. And so that's what we're hearing here. Take a look at this next verse. Whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. Now, uh, we'll jump, well, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, eternal life. Whoever doesn't believe in the, in the Son won't have, won't see life, but the, ang the angry judgment of God remains in them. Now, here's what we think often. We'll read a verse like this. And because we've been conditioned sometimes to, to read it a certain way, we'll say that if we believe in Christ, we will have heaven. We'll go to heaven one day. Down the road, we'll go to heaven for eternity. It's going to be amazing, right? But those who don't, they don't. They don't get to go to heaven. And God is just going to be so angry with them and send them to hell. That's how we read that verse. But here's the problem. The Jewish context of Jesus' day, they wouldn't have read that verse that way at all. This is how they would have looked at it. They would have looked at the word believes. Pisteo is the word in Greek, and it means this, to be committed to. And most often, it's found in an active tense. Now, I'm not an English teacher. Some of you know this way better than me, right? But an active tense is present. It's ongoing. You are doing it now. So when you believe, like you're committed to, you're committed to it right now. I'm committed. I'm, I'm doing it, right? I'm, I'm on it right now. That's how they would have understood it. They would have said this, if you believe, if you are committed to Christ and living out in him, you got life. That's life comes with this. Not just one day down the road when you die, but I mean, you get it eternally. It starts now and it continues on even past death. Those who don't get it, guess what? They don't have life. Notice it drops eternal life from there. Why does it drop eternal? Well, they're going to live to the end of their days, but they're not going to live, not in Christ, or not, not with that offer, past those days. That's how they would have looked at this. Being committed to it. That is life. So does it involve heaven eternal? Absolutely. But it's life every day. 
Can I say it more bluntly to you, preaching to the choir? As Christians, we should be experiencing life in Christ every day. It's available. It's offered to you. It doesn't mean life will be smooth. You won't have hardships. You won't have difficulty. Guess what? You'll wake up and your car won't start one day too. You know, even for Christians, that's how it happens. But how you respond and how you work through it, your neighbor get mad at you? Probably. You know, it happens in life. How you respond will be very different. That is life in Christ. It's available right now. So what else do we get right on this thing? So right and wrong, that's the first couple. Next thing, right, uh, God calls us to share Jesus in this world. We know that, right? I mean, listen, you don't have to come to this church a few weeks before that pastor will harp on sharing Jesus, right, and inviting. Listen, I'm up high. I see your eyeballs. I see when they roll. You know, I, I know when we've said it uh, again and again and again. Um, but that's true. That We get that right, that we're supposed to share Jesus in this world. The number one dominant message of the New Testament, starting in the book of Acts through the rest of the book, is what? Sharing Jesus. Now, you might have said, oh, living in Jesus, just being alive in Jesus. Nope, not the dominant theme. The dominant theme is sharing Jesus. You get to the book of Revelations, and we love Revelations, right? We're doing it on Wednesday nights. And what is the dominant theme? What is it said in the context of? Church, you better be a lampstand. You better be shining this to everyone. And then it goes on to share the rest of the book of Revelation, all in the context of the church being a lampstand. So we're supposed to share Jesus, to share him. We get this right, and we should. We want to share Jesus. Here's what Mark 16, 15 says. He said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to every creature. Everywhere you go, proclaim the good news. Go share Jesus everywhere you go. You got kids at home, little kids? You probably share Jesus with them. I, I know you do because you bring them to church here. I get to see them, which means you're putting them in Sunday school or you're sharing with them or they're hearing you know, me or whatever. They're, they're hearing the gospel, right? Sharing Jesus. Notice how he says, go share it everywhere you go. How about work? How about your hobby? How about the league you put your kid in, right? Whatever, I don't know, soccer, dance, whatever it might be. Going and sharing Jesus everywhere, every moment you have, every opportunity. Here's what I know. Some of you, it's, it's a little, you're a little nervy to share Jesus with other people. I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm in settings too where I'm still like, oh, Lord, I don't even know how to get into this. But you don't have a problem sharing. None of us have a problem sharing. There is something that hits us a certain way that you're willing to share. It might be your politics. Like if somebody just gets it going, like I'm in, right? And you, and you jump right into that. It might be your sports team. Somebody says something, you know, about, you know, the Panthers and they're doing this and that. You'll jump right in. You'll go, Right? But there might be something about Jesus that you're just like, eh. But here, Mark is just saying, just go and share Jesus the same way you share other things. Just go share Jesus wherever you go. So we're called to share Jesus. We get that right. Take a look at 1 Peter 3.15, a verse that, I think a verse we use and like, but let me give a little bit of, of, of meaning to it. Instead, regard Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts, Whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to what? Defend it. Yeah. I think, and I purposely use this uh, defend, because I think this is the way we think about this verse. 
be ready to give answer or to defend it. And so what we think sometimes is this means that I need to sit down and coordinate a logical attack when somebody shares you know, uh, something or somebody says, I don't think God exists. I need to be able to say, oh, yeah, really? And then I need to come back and like lay out one, two, three, four, you know, at the end of it, you know, like almost like, a, like with a and at the end of it, you know, spin my guns and put them in because I just won the argument. I, like that kind. And that's not what it means really at all. In fact, the, the word there uh, is um, apologia. You, you familiar with the word apologia? It's where we get the term apologetics. That's not apology, but apologetics is actually a study of how you defend something. So how you defend a stance or how you make a logical argument. But you have to understand the word apologia, that has kind of taken on a growth over the many years. How it was used commonly when this would have been written would just mean this, to give an answer for, to explain. Just to explain. So if I'm like, you know, like, hey, we're going up to Applebee's today after lunch. They got this two for 25 special. And you'd be like, what? Wait, what? How much? Wait, explain. What does the two mean? Explain that to me. Oh, well, it means, you know, take a couple entrees and, you know, that kind of thing. What just happened? That's apologia. I just explained that. that. I don't have to come up with a logical. I'm not trying to argue you into going to Applebee's as well or to say that Applebee's is better than anywhere else, right? That's all this means. Whenever it comes up, give an answer for why. Why are you a Christian? Whenever it pops up. When you say, I, I'm going through something tough, but I just am trusting God. Why? Why? What does that mean? Share with them. Tell people that. That's what it means to defend here. That's what apologia means. Just give an explanation for it. And share. So we get that right. God calls us to share Jesus with the world. Here's what we get wrong. God calls us to condemn this world. We really struggle with this one. God calls us to condemn this world. He doesn't. He never does. Never calls us to condemn. In fact, here's the words of Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 17 says this. God didn't send his son in the world to what? To judge the world, but to do what? That the world might be what? Saved through him. Here's what Jesus is saying. I came not to offer judgment. I came to offer salvation. We've already talked about what salvation means. I came to offer life. You think there wasn't junk in Jesus' time? There was all kinds of junk. You think about secular living, sinful living, immoral living, the Roman Empire, Hellenization, that all brought it in. It was all over the place. Jerusalem was a, li a little bit saved from that, but outside of that, I mean, it was everywhere. You think Jesus wasn't right in the middle of it? Yeah, he was. And Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn I came to offer salvation. That's what I came to do. Now, will there be a judgment? This is where we struggle. Because what we think about is when we, when we say that and we agree with that, what we think is, well, then I have to affirm or say I'm okay with all this stuff going on. No, you don't. Neither did Jesus. Jesus knew what he came for. Will there be a judgment one day? Yeah. Will Jesus be involved in it? Yep. It's right there. Jump in the book of Revelation, you get about halfway through and you start to see it. It's pretty clear. But Jesus said, that's not why I came to earth, though. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here at this time for that reason. I am here to offer life in me. That's what I'm here for. And for those who would hear, that would receive and listen, 
that I'm going to invite them to come be followers. And I'm then going to tell them, go out and tell others. That's what Jesus said he was here for. Why would we as Christians ever get off that track? Why would we ever get into a point where we think condemning and judging is our mission? Don't have to believe, don't have to affirm, it's not what we're saying. But a crusade for condemning and judging wasn't the way of Jesus. Take a look at this. Luke says it this way in Luke chapter 6, 35, 37, probably a verse you know. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. What's Luke saying there? He's saying, look, if you want to choose judging and condemning, if you want to choose that way, go for it. But if you dish it out, you better be ready to receive it. That's how it works. If you want to jump into that messy world, you got to live in that messy world. That's how it works. So go judge, go condemn, but it's coming right back on you. But if you forgive, you get forgiveness. And I would say if you offer life, you get to see life. Often in the transformation of your friends. Here's what the word condemn means. Both of those passages, it's the same word. The word for judge, the word for condemn, it means this. It's, it's katadakozo, and this is what it means, to pronounce judgment. So when we judge, or when we condemn, we are pronouncing judgment on someone. And you know what Jesus said? I didn't come for that reason. I didn't come to pronounce judgment. I came to offer life, to offer salvation. Preaching to the choir here. Maybe not, I don't know. We came to offer life in Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's your job, that's my job, to offer life in Jesus. Life in Jesus. Not to condemn, but to offer life. Here's the takeaway this morning. Two quick uh, phrases. They might be blunt. They might be like, duh, statements. But this is what we're boiling it down to. Here's the first. Be a follower of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus. Exactly how we defined it, exactly how we looked at it, be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to get in line with him. I'm going to put my faith and trust in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to believe in his work on the cross, his resurrection. I'm going to mirror I'm going to reflect, I'm going to resemble Jesus in my behavior. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not just going to hold that belief system and claim that prayer when I was 16. I'm going to live it out every day. Here's the second one. Be a witness for Jesus. Be a witness. May you resemble him and may you speak. When a witness gets on the stand at a court, they don't just say, like, oh, uh, look at your, we'll look at your life. They ask questions, and the witness speaks. So use your words to speak, to share Jesus. Be a witness in everything you do. Here's a phrase I want to give you, and I said before, it's not a, a new phrase. Some of you will remember it. It's an old-time free Methodist phrase, actually, that I'm going to borrow, and I want to say it and use it with you throughout 2023. The phrase is this, to know him and to make him known. We want to know him, and we want to make him known. Don't stop with, I know him, because then it could just be a belief system that doesn't have any activity. Uh, I want to know him, and I want to make him know. When I, when I say I want to make him known, then that know him takes on a different meaning, to know him and make him known. That's what we want to do this year. Hey, let me pray for you on this. I want to share with you a couple of announcements, and then I, I want to end our service a little bit different this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you have called us 
Lord, to be Christians. And we've said yes to that. Lord, refresh and reset it for us if we need that this morning based on what we've talked about. Lord, would you remind us where we get things right and we should declare. We should declare with excitement and energy that you are the Lord and you are the only way. But Lord, remind us where we might get things wrong or off track, that we even lose sight of your mission and the mission you've put us on as well. Remind us that life in you is every day if we choose it. If we don't choose it, you're not going to force it on us. So Lord, help us to walk in you the moment we step out of here today, whatever that look like. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen.